This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 117. Today on our show, Aaron Pryor Jr. We've had a couple of people offer for uh, for movies about my father or whatnot, and I would definitely love to be able to write situation came about. I would love to definitely do that for my father. If it was anything to help him with his, put his story out there or whatnot, as far as myself personally being in something with movies and stuff like that, of course I would love to try that. The son of a boxing legend and a Cincinnati native, Aaron Pryor Jr. joins the podcast to discuss his father's storied boxing career, Aaron the Hawk Pryor, including a little feature film talk. He also talks about his own experience as a professional boxer, the state of the sport, and what it takes to excel in the ring. We're joined by our sales director, Billy DeVore, for this episode, by the way, as an added treat. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it by PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for 20% off to the end of the episode. Now, let's talk to Aaron Pryor, Jr. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Uh, today's guest, we have Aaron Pryor Jr., uh, son of boxing legend Aaron Pryor, and also a professional boxer himself. So, we're happy to have him on the pod. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. See, I didn't know you were a boxer as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been a, I've been a professional boxer myself probably for 15 years now. Oh, wow. I know yeah, the one so question I'm uh, supposed to ask. Where, a, where'd you go to high school? I went to, uh, actually, I went to Withrow. I went to Withrow High. Graduated from Wallington, a little bit up north. Okay. So cool. Yeah, now we, uh, so we just launched a, a whole brand of, a whole line of shirts honoring his dad and his legacy, which are pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I, I'd heard the name, but I really didn't know a lot about it. I mean, I know Ezra Charles, and uh, but you know, not being from the area, uh, I didn't know a lot about uh, Aaron Pryor. I just knew that he was from here. You know, my, yeah, my, my dad born and raised in Cincinnati. You know, born and raised here. You know, he was a uh, he was pretty much like the Floyd Mayweather of his time, of his era, back in like eighty one, eighty two. So he was uh, around. He was around during the time when like Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearn. I mean, a lot of those fighters back in that area. You know, There's a lot of top fighters back in that area. Yeah, my dad, he's you know Hall of Fame fighter. You know, he's got he's got so many awards and stuff all over the place. It's uh, it's crazy, but um, yeah, just a phenomenal athlete. You know, fighter. Uh, you know, just it's incredible. So I'm just I'm really glad you guys were able to, to do the shirts. Just something to to uh, to remember him by because he has a, just a, a large fan base in the city of Cincinnati. So it's just an a, a honor and a privilege for you guys to, to do that. So, yeah, shirts, shirts were a lot of fun, that's for sure. Man, so so tell us about like how, how he got started or when, I don't, I don't know, just just give us some background on, uh, you know, his story in general. Uh, my, my, my dad's story, uh, well, my dad, uh, he, started, he started boxing when he was um, 12 
13 is when he first uh, got into the gym. Uh, like I said, he was uh, from downtown. You know, that's where he grew up, is downtown Cincinnati. So, of course, downtown was much different back in those days. <laughs> Let's just give you just a little bit, because my dad had such a prestigious, you know, uh, background from where it came from, just from coming from, you know, my dad grew up uh, pretty poor back then. When I just worked his way up. And he went to Hughes High School, actually. Right there in uh, Clifton. See, so your dad would have been, this would have been, uh, your dad probably would have graduated, I'm guessing he started in the 70s, boxing, we're talking the 60s, him kind of growing up and coming to, coming of age, right? And living downtown. Correct. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And uh, some of it cut out. Uh, he started boxing when he was how old? He was 12 or 13 when he started. Okay. And then yeah, how, 12 or how long before Buddy LaRosa took over uh, his uh, his management? Uh, so my uh, so as a professional, Buddy, uh, I got involved with my dad as far as on the management tip. But um, I think even back then, probably in the 60s and stuff, the 60s, late 60s, uh, Buddy was involved in the amateur program overnight. So those kids, you know, he was... Even back then, you know, when it probably was only maybe a couple, a few, but La Rosa's Pizza's place, probably one on Boot Note was probably up at that time. And uh, Buddy was involved in the community at that time, just, you know, sending fighters to different places, you know, amateur shows or whatnot, even back then. So he, but Buddy had known my dad since he was a kid. Yeah, I knew Buddy was a big sports fan, obviously, because they used to do all, he used to sponsor those things in the paper. They used to hang in the restaurants, the, uh, the local sports heroes and things like didn't know he was like you know really into boxing though until uh, a few years later I was reading up on it. Yeah, I mean, buddy's I mean he's done such a, buddy's done such a lot. I mean, a lot for the community. Uh, I mean, a lot for the a lot of a lot for kids that maybe uh, not have as much maybe poverty and, and poverty and stuff like that. You know, he's done so much just for the community or whatnot. And uh, especially through boxing, you know, boxing. I mean, Cincinnati just has a, a, a great boxing history. It, it really does. And your dad, you said your dad boxed in the Olympics. And when was that? Uh, I want to say 78, I think. I want to say he was in, he was on one of the Olympic teams in the 78. So he went over to fight like the Russians and, and over in Poland or whatnot. And he lost on one of the Olympic trial teams. I think it was, okay. I want to say maybe 79, 78, something like that. It was a, it was one of those big ones with like Sugar Ray Leonard and all those guys that were on that team. Oh, and I, and he had lost in the, the Olympic trials was in, I believe it was at the Cincinnati gardens that year. Oh, wow. And he lost a very controversial. It was a very controversial decision. Oh, when I, cause my dad, he, I, I believe he has one of the biggest amateur records as far as wins and losses, maybe 200 and some wins, 215 wins, maybe like seven or eight losses. I don't know, you know, as an amateur fighter. Well, as wow. it turn, turns out, he probably he wouldn't have ended up going anyway because in 1980 we boycotted the Olympics. <laughs> so, yeah, all, well, yeah, all yeah. for not. <laughs> um, so, how old were you? Were you were you aware of what you know? Were you going to the matches and stuff like that? Did you? Yeah, I mean, I I can remember being at some of the, his big fights, especially against uh, Alexis Aguilo. Uh He had two epic fights against Alexis Aguilo, and that's probably uh, two of the fights that everyone talks about or you see on ESPN that they rerun a lot. Um, I can remember uh, being at those fights and kind of watching. I was, I was a kid. I mean, <laughs> I was a kid running around. Probably didn't really know what was really going on at this time. <laughs> but um, 
I can I have some memories of those fights and just traveling around with him. So how and, old were you when you got? Yeah, I'm actually sense? watching videos of them on YouTube right now. I got Alexis uh, Grello uh, match up. Man, he yeah. he looks just like Apollo Creed. I mean, is there something about you think Apollo Creed was kind of modeled after him? Because I mean, what Rocky came out and oh yeah, '84, didn't it? You know what's funny? I tell you a lot a lot of um a lot of people don't know this, but my dad and Sylvester Stallone worked they worked out together a lot worked out to get together getting ready for the first Rocky fight. Ooh. So um oh. my dad yeah my dad had helped him do a lot of his training preparing for that fight. A lot of people don't know that for the first Rocky movie, I should say. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'd say that, that that's probably intentional. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> so you just worked on the one Rocky movie? Did he uh, work on any of the others? I don't. I mean, I I knew that was because uh, uh, I was at um, the Hall of Fame. Sylvester Stallone got inducted like some years ago as a non-participant to the Hall of Fame. So uh-huh. I didn't. I wasn't even aware of that until I got to speak with him. Speak with him, and my dad. And I didn't know that they were involved with each other like that back then. I remember meeting him when I was a kid. I remember meeting Sylvester Stallone when I was a kid. But I just, it, of course, being eight years old, you know, eight nine years old, you don't you don't know what's going on like yeah. that, you know. Yeah, so this is this is kind of you know before all the big pay per view money. I guess yeah, guys are doing it for the love. I mean, I'm sure they did all right, but yeah, yeah nothing like by today's standards, huh? Yeah, I mean, this is probably about you. Know, I don't know if you remember Wide World. Was it Wide World of Sports? Yes, ABC's Wide World of Sports. This is back then, so you know you can just you know boxing was on. All those classic fights were on regular TV. You know, every Saturday or Sunday, those those fights were on regular TV, and then, you know, it wasn't no big pay per view. I don't I don't think pay per view got real really big to maybe when Mike Tyson maybe is when they yeah. started maybe well, implement that. And uh, and cable didn't really start till right when your dad turned pro, like in the mid seventies. HBO launched in like nineteen seventy six, but you know, only a few people had it. it yeah, it wasn't really till right. eighty eighty one that people started to get wise and say, hey, people pay money to see this. Like just to put some perspective on it, I'm looking at the wiki page, and um, your dad turned out a fight against Sugar Ray Leonard, and the offer was five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they tried to lowball him. Well, Sugar, a lot of people, if you look into it a little bit more, Sugar Ray didn't want any part of fighting my father at that time. It was a bad fight for him. So um, not a good matchup, or yeah, wasn't yeah he wasn't uh, yeah my dad was trying to get the fight with Sugar Ray, but Sugar Ray didn't want the fight. Okay. And uh, if you look on if you look on YouTube, it's a it's a it's a press conference. My dad crashed one of his press conferences. Ooh. Or not? Well, we got to find that. To get him. Yeah, yeah, check it out. And uh, he crashed one of the press conferences, and he's like, he wanted to fight. You know, he wanted to fight, and you you can see it in the video that Sugar Ray wanted no parts of that. They passed some. Um, uh, they passed some sparring matches. They did spar because, of course, they were on an Olympic team when they were doing a lot of the work, getting ready for the Olympics and stuff. And uh, from my knowledge, you know, they said that you know my dad knocked him down a couple of times during uh, sparring hmm. or whatnot. I think that's one of my dad's biggest regrets. If he had any regrets during his career, he wished that he wouldn't spar Sugar Ray because if he ah. wouldn't did that, then they probably wouldn't have had to fight. Oh yeah, he got scared. Yeah. Because, so yeah. what? Uh, what weight class did he go up and down weight classes? Did he stay? Uh, my, he started out as a he started <laughs> out as a lightweight, and then he went up to junior welterweight. So he's lightweight, went to junior welterweight, and that was it. 
I didn't get any heavier than that. Nice. What weight class do you currently fight? A super middleweight. Yeah, I know. I've forgotten all this. Super super middleweight is about 100. I started out at middleweight. I was 160. I'm at 168 now, super middleweight. Nice. (laughs) What would 205 be? That's what my weight class would be. You'd be heavyweight. How many many 5'8 heavyweights are there? Forty-one-year-old. But I tell you what, Mike Tyson was a small heavyweight for his size. Mike, I think Mike Tyson was maybe two fifteen. Wow, but, you know, but he he had a he was a, a of course he was a heavy puncher, a really heavy puncher. I don't know. Was there a certain style that uh, your dad had? I mean, was there any sort of I don't know. Are there different, different, different like schools, you know, for, for boxing, or is it all just kind of? Well, my dad. Function? Well, my dad was. Um, <laughs> my dad was. My dad was like five eight. So uh, there you he go. Was, he was. He was known for his. Uh, you know, his swarm. They called him the hawk because you know because he would kind of swoop down on you. So he was just swarming. He overwhelmed you with punches. He was probably one of the few fighters to kind of take the amateur style of boxing. And implement it as into the professional. So I mean, he just—I mean, punches and punches and punches. I mean, he wouldn't stop, you know. And that—that uh, that was that was his style, you know. He just mastered that style, and he just had energy, energy for days. So, do you and your dad have a different style? Just because you—I mean, you're six three, you're a big dude compared to that. I mean, is there? Do you still use some lessons like you've learned from him, some some tactics, or is it more of just? You know, you developed your own thing and and, and created your own style. Uh, I would say um, our styles are different. Like I said, my dad's a lot shorter than me, so I can't. I I definitely, uh, as much as I wanted to fight like him, and I would watch him his fights and to see how much energy he had. My style was different, just because I'm a taller, leaner guy. So I'm more of a boxer. So I'm more of a jab and move, and I get hit. You know, I get my punches off. I'm moving around. My dad was just attack. Attack, attack, attack. Mm-hmm. My style is a little different. Just to put you on mind, let's see, uh, like the Tommy Hearns from back in okay. the day. Tommy Hearns, uh, let's see, even a newer fighter today, like Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. Anthony Joshua is a really tall guy. He's he's a boxer. He stands tall. He boxes. He keeps his jab out. I'm more in the in the line of that those type of fighters. Yeah, you're dancing. He's brawling. Yes, exactly. And even to bring it back, like what was crazy to, to find out what I what I what I learned when I was doing research and for you and about you and your dad, it, even with Sugar Ray, like they were gonna get they were lined up, like they were gonna fight, and then Sugar Ray had to retire because of his detached retina. Oh yeah, yes, yes. That's, yeah. that's just so crazy like to know like that's that's the that's like the pinnacle that's like the 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 guy the the golden boy of the sport and then to have that opportunity taken away from you had to be devastating yeah yeah i mean it's it's like you know contact this contact for you know boxing is a very dangerous sport it's it's one of those sports you want to kind of get in and get out you know with your health you know there's like there's like i mean even football i mean anything that has uh just that contact you know you have to be very careful, you know. Well, uh, even baseball. Who was the Billy? You'll know this. The the pitcher for the Astros that he was throwing a pitch and he just flopped down. I think it was for the Astros. He flopped right down on the uh, pitcher's mound, uh, blew out his arm entirely. Bob Forsh? 
I don't know. We'll look that up, but I'll tell you on the other side. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> but yeah, even with something like that, you just never know. And uh, yeah. when you put your whole life into a, a, an athletic career like that, then what do you do? Yeah. I mean, anything can happen. Sometimes it's good to have a backup plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. How long have you been boxing? I, actually, I start, I went to co- – well, after high school, I went to college. I played basketball. So I got into the sport later. I was probably – when I started boxing – I mean, let's say altogether, I've probably been boxing about 20 years altogether. But I started when I was 20, 21 years old when I started. That's from an amateur. I think I did – about five years, I uh, won the Cincinnati Golden Gloves in 2003. And then I went, uh, as a professional, I started in Detroit with the, uh, if you're familiar with Emmanuel Stewart from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, that was my first trainer, manager in Michigan, and I probably boxed there five years. And now, is 2021, like, is that like a late jump to get started on your amateur career? It, it is. It is. I mean, probably in any sport, boxing is probably one of the few sports you probably you can do it. But it's, you know, just like anything, it's, it takes a lot of focus to try to learn something and master it at that age. You know, I, just, I spend a lot of I mean, of course, I just spend a lot of time, you know, being in the gym and just trying to master. I mean, I took a lot of butt whippings along the way <laughs> trying to pick up things. <laughs> but at the same time, I have I've been around it while I was little, though. You know, that was the thing. I had been around it. I was little. My dad never forced me to do it. I think the time that I, I, I came home from college, I finished I finished with college. I came home and I told my dad, like, uh, hey, let's go have some father-son time, go to the gym and, and train. And he kind of, he looks at me. He's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so he went down to the gym and um, he worked with me. And he actually gave me to another coach after we, just, we worked out. And I trained with the other coach for probably a couple months. And um, he asked me that I want to do an amateur fight. I said, hey, yeah, why not? So we did an amateur show. I think my first amateur fight was somewhere in Kentucky. Uh, won, my, won my first fight. I think probably a couple more weeks later, he comes back to me again, says another show. I don't know if it was in Zanesville, Ohio, or something like that. I uh, did another fight. I mean, next thing I know, I boxed for like five years in amateur. <laughs> Do you think like your dad, your dad picked a different coach just because he's like, oh, you're like just because of your size and and you're just going to you're just going to have to have a different approach and he couldn't teach you that? You know what? I don't I don't think it was that, you know, sometimes with, um, you know, even with my son, just like, you know, when dad tries to tell you something, it's like, ah, oh, dad, you know, sometimes you have to get someone else to kind of show you to kind of open your eyes up to different things or whatnot. You know, my dad, had, I mean, even though he my dad was a brawler. He was a, a phenomenal boxer. I mean, he can get on his toes and box just like a tall guy. Like he was just, my dad was just all around, you know, mm-hmm. in that aspect. But, I mean, he definitely took the opportunity like, okay, let's get somebody else to kind of show you show you A, B, and C. And I can come back and kind of polish you up in those other areas. You said you went to college. You, you played basketball in college. And did you have any designs on doing that as a career? I'm 41 now, so no, no basketball for me. No, no, I mean back in college. Oh, back in college. Um, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I mean, basketball was my first love. Uh, I love. Uh, I do. A, matter of fact, I do a, a celebrity game every year for uh, autism over at NKU. Oh, well, nah, and this, this is one of my first loves. I love going and play it. You know, playing, and I, I'll, I'll coach my my sons 
basketball league and stuff some, from time to time. I don't know as far as going back to college and doing any coaching. I don't, I don't know if I ever do and, that. But when you were in college, did you have any hopes of like you know after you graduated going and uh, turning pro or playing over in Europe or anything like that, or were you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I did, I, I did, but I, I just, re- I think it was meant because, like I said, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought in a million years that I would have ever been a boxer. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that that wouldn't have happened. I mean, I had, of course, I think everyone that plays at that level, and and if you're you're, you're decent or good, that you want to, of course, go and play overseas or and go to the NBA or whatnot. This it was just different in the cards for me, I guess. I mean, I got to boxing, and, and it was just shot off from there. So you really got attached to boxing once you started really doing it? Yeah, once I yeah, once I started to really get in there and doing it and I'm a I can be a perfectionist. I wanna after I got in there and started doing it, I'm like, Dang, I, I really wanna learn this. I really wanna perfect my jab or perfect the way I throw my right hand or if it was from my feet movement. I just once I got in there and I, I just I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the sport. Were you able to yeah. use like your other athletic abilities, like from playing basketball, or is it one of those deals where like you're doing like, oh, this is a whole different set of disciplines that you need to know? Or were there some things that there was was there any crossover at all with that? I mean, you know what I think? Uh, the, probably the only thing that really just being able, I'm being able, even able to run up and down a basketball court. Get, of course, is a lot of cardio. So I guess if I could say anything, that probably carries on into boxing. Uh, just being an athlete. From being a kid, just from from that, I can say that I carried over. But yeah, boxing was definitely a, a a different type of animal. Trying to perfect and learn that, you know, learn that sport. So what? Uh, what's the process to go pro? I mean, you said you had what five years of amateur experience, and your dad had what over two hundred amateur fights. I mean, that seems like that seems like a ton to not really be making any money or at what point do you start to get people's attention and they actually give you a shot or, or do you have to win contests or how, well, any, what point do you become pro? Well, anybody can become pro. If you want to go down there and sign up and get your professional license, boom, they'll give it to you and they'll give you a pro fight. Will you do good at it? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's just like, um, the amateur part of it is it's just like a just getting the experience you know getting the fight experience and that's what it, that's what it all is before you get to the professional sport you know just getting as much experience learning as much as you can mastering your craft before you go into that next level so just but, like comedy then huh you just, uh, I guess if anybody wants to pay you they can pay you but you ain't gonna last long if you're no good yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's, it take, it's, it's just practice, practice, practice until you get to that point. And, of course, you build your resume. So if you win a, a Golden Gloves tournament or they have all different types of national tournaments that you compete in, you're just building off of that. And that's exactly – I mean, it's, it's, it's just like that, you know, building your resume up. And, of course, when you're on an Olympic team and stuff like that, of course – uh, I'm sure they probably take care of some of those kids, especially nowadays. I'm sure they take care of them a little bit more than they did back in the day as far as, uh, you know, traveling and probably put a little money in their, their pocket or whatnot, especially if you're fighting for the, you know, if you for the USA team. You know, they really take care of those athletes. So when you're starting out and, uh, you know, you're, you're boxing, you're sparring with other guys, do you try to – 
just perfect kind of what's going to be your skill set? Or do you like take things from guys and go, oh, he does that or he punches this way? Do you kind of pick pick up from other guys what they do or how does that work? You know, you perfect like I'm a tall guy. I'm a tall, lanky guy. So I'm, I'm always trying to perfect the way I throw my jab and try to throw my long punches. But I also, when I see other fighters doing something that I might like, you kind of sometimes you steal something from somebody else. So you might throw an uppercut a certain way. I'm like, oh, I might want to try that. So I might go home and practice that. Then I'll go try it when I'm sparring. Then I'll try it when I'm in a real fight. So sometimes it's like you steal, you steal things from people you see that you might like. Anything ever surprise you in the ring, whether it be something that you did? Uh, either accidentally or instinctively or something somebody else did that you weren't really expecting at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, boxing, I mean, of course, when you're in there, all types of stuff is going on. And sometimes you surprise yourself with stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes your opponent might surprise you with something you wasn't expecting. You know, you just have to, you know, it's, it's one of, you have to plan, you have to try to plan for every type of scenario that can happen when you're in there. So what's the state of boxing like these days? I know I, I wrote an article for a previous job I had. I can't remember what it was about. I think I interviewed uh, some baseball executive or something like that. And they were, and he pointed out that in the 50s, boxing was one of the biggest sports. It was baseball, boxing, and horse racing. were your three biggest sports in the 50s, surprisingly. And, uh, of course, now we've got, uh, you know, all other kinds of sports. And within fighting, you have, you know, UFC, you have wrestling, you have all this other stuff. What kind of is the state of boxing these days? Uh, as far as business wise, yeah, yeah, and popularity yeah. and just from, I mean, from your perspective, yeah. Well, I mean, Dave said boxing was dying down, but well, bo- boxing's been around for over a hundred years, probably or whatnot. I mean, it's not. I mean, if you think about at the top, if you get a Floyd Mayweather just fighting, or the 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 fight that just happened, uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. I mean, there's no one that's going to compete with those guys as far as from a uh, a payday from their payday, from what they're making, to the type of attention that they're going to get from uh, from the media to pay-per-view sales. I mean, they break boxing breaks records at the top every time, more than UFC. And so yeah. I don't think at that point, I mean, I don't, I don't think if none of that stuff really affects boxing at all. I mean, they just, you know, boxers make a nice amount of money when we, we do perform, especially at that top level, so... Yeah, I think there's something to be said when uh, Mayweather and uh, what Colin McGregor fought a couple years ago, and yeah. uh, I mean McGregor was like, ah, you know, I got this, I'm in shape, and then you can just tell that I mean Mayweather just stuck to his guns and wore him out, and that was it. So it's like it doesn't really matter who's tougher, it, you know. That was a total, total finesse. Well, it's it's the, it's the sweet science, you know, this boxing. Right? <laughs> It's definitely sweet science, man, and it's a you know it's a it's a beautiful sport. It's a dangerous sport. It's sometimes it's underestimated, and just till you actually get in there throwing some punches, you know. You uh you brought up Tyson Fury, and you went to the Wilder Fury fight. How crazy was that? I I tell you what, it was um really exciting, man. The energy there was unbelievable. One of my coaches, uh, I'm trained by a few different people, but one of my coaches took over the head training job for Tyson Fury. So I was uh I was there to definitely support him. And um I mean it was just I mean it was a it was a fantastic fight. I mean he did a fantastic I mean Tyson Fury did a fantastic job of boxing him and keeping his distance and uh 
this taking away uh, his power shot. This was he, what he's been knocking, what he had been knocking everyone out with. He took that away, and I mean, just a beautiful job of fighting. But Vegas was uh it was it was crazy that weekend. Oh, I bet. And like, so do you, do you buy the story that the the massive suit Wilder was wearing actually wore him down before he got into the ring? <laughs> that was a terrible excuse. He he would have been better off just giving them us just saying, "Hey, you were the better man today. We'll we'll fight again." You know, I don't believe that. I mean, I, I think they had video of him uh, training with like a fifty pound uh, suited vest on. I think you know, so uh, <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. You know, just. You know, every fighter has their day. You know, you have good days, you have bad days. You just had a bad day. Yeah. And take us through, uh, take us through a typical boxing workout. I mean, I guess you know from the movies and stuff, you always see him getting up and chugging a raw egg, like Rocky, raw eggs, <laughs> and then running and you know all all day in a trash bag or something. Like, is there any truth to that, or what? What's the what's a real boxing workout? There is some truth. There, there's some truth to it. There's some truth to the Rocket movies. Um, you know, when we get up, you know, my, I was, I'm the type of fighter, you know, my first work, I do about three workouts a day. So my first workout is my cardio, which is my running. I'm doing that probably at five in the morning. I'll get up five in the morning. I do three or four miles. I have my exercises that I do. I go through all that stuff in the morning, and then that's my first workout. And you eat and you rest. Your rest is just important as your workout. And then uh, I have a strength and conditioning coach. So let's say I'll do my strength and conditioning around 12. Uh, that's about an hour, hour and a half workout, two-hour workout. And, uh, that's of course, that has a whole bunch of different things that comes with that <laughs> with your strength and conditioning coach. And then uh, then in the afternoon, the evenings are uh, my boxing. And I'll be in a boxing gym probably for about two hours. Wow, our workout schedules are very different. <laughs> <laughs> and how many days a week is it? Because we know like probably most people, even lay people know that, you know, football players do get a day off during the week, you know, then there's the game day and then there's, you know, they practice the rest of the week. <laughs> so is that a daily thing for the seven days a week? Do you take any days off? I mean, each fighter is different. Sometimes the training camps are different. So, uh, sometimes in the training camps, we may do that workout five to six days a week, and maybe Sunday is my rest day. Or if maybe on Wednesday, I may get a break from the gym, but I still have to go through my other workouts. So if I if I want to say maybe a complete rest day would probably for me would be Sunday. What what's your diet like? Do you have to stay away from certain things? Do you have to eat more of a certain thing? Yeah, of course. Um. You know, I, I, I love my fast food and my burgers and all that, but of course you have to <laughs> you have to cut all that stuff out, man. And um, uh, you know, I do a lot of baked food, a lot of baked food, a lot of steak, uh, vegetables, and um, of course I I do a lot of water and tea, a lot of water and tea. You know what? We have the same diet, but I think the difference between me and you has got to be that workout schedule. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> did you ever, uh, did you ever uh, practice on a side of beef like Rocky, or like we see in those other boxing movies? Ah, no. <laughs> uh, I like now that, that that's where it's kind of made up. You know, you might break you might break your hand hitting that. I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the idea. Toughen up those hands. 
Well, I tell you what, I, I was in training camp with Latimer Klisko, and I'm just hanging out with him in his room, and he has a piece of board, piece of board, and he just he just punching it, punching it. He's building up the calluses on his fist, which I thought that was pretty. That was pretty cool. I was like, wow, he's just sitting there, just kind of you know, just punching a piece of wood, <laughs> building up the strength in his hands. It's, it's crazy. Is that to make his punch be smooth? Is that to make his punch harder, or so when he punches, it doesn't hurt his hand as much, or both? Probably to, to, to toughen up his hand, you know, to, to toughen up his hand. Because as fighters, we get a lot of injuries, more injuries probably from hand injuries than anything. So kind of strengthen up your hands, toughen up your knuckles. And but, you- but I say every fighter is different the way they do things. Everybody's kind of different the way they do it. And to keep your boxing license, do you have to go through some kind of uh, like certification? I don't know because I remember watching Taxi in the old days, and of course Tony was a fighter, and they pulled his license because um, he—I guess he'd been knocked out too many times. I don't know what the storyline was, or even that's even a thing. But he had to box under a different name because they wouldn't give him his license back. Or was it just, do, you, do you have to go through something to make sure your license your, that you're healthy and you can still box? That still is that still a thing? Was that ever a thing? Oh yeah, um, especially the older you get, you have to go through. You know, you have to go through a pretty extensive uh, physical, uh, why not? But yeah, they they definitely they'll 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 make sure that you're able to fight. And the, and each state is different, so okay. each state you go and have different criteria that you have to meet to be able to fight in that state. And how often do you that, have to get? Is it is it before each fight that they check you, or is it just like once a month? Or has... oh, before each fight. Okay. I mean, they'll they'll. Like uh, let's say it's an MRI. Well, your MRI might your MRI might last for let's say six months or maybe for a year or something like that. Okay. So I mean, or CAT scan, they do a CAT scan in your brain or whatnot, and it, that'll last for so long. And then once it's you know, just depending on what state you go to, it's like I know like New York and California, Vegas, they're they're very on it, you know about performing a lot of those tests so yeah they try to just, i mean just like everybody they, you know football players baseball players they try to make sure that um uh, everybody's healthy and can compete and no one's you know no one's getting injured yeah i was gonna say is cte a big concern like it is in football and some of the other big contact sports of course of course i mean it's this is a very uh, it's a very funny thing as far as just um like boxing is hard a little bit harder to kind of control because, of course, the punches or whatnot. But yes, it's always a concern. That's what I say. It's you know, uh, styles, styles of fighters. You know, you got the, the aggressive fighters are more likely to take more punishment than uh, some of the fighters that are more like boxers. You know, but it's all it's all very dangerous, and it's all you always have to worry about that. The CT. So, what's it like to get knocked out? Well, I've never been knocked out, so I don't oh, know that. I'm, nice. Let me knock on wood. I've never been knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like? That's to, awesome. What's it like rare? to knock somebody out? Oh, uh, no, it's a, no, it's a lot of people that has not. Maybe my, someone has got stopped before or something like that, but knocked out. No, I've never been knocked out, but uh, I, I can't tell you that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, what's it like to knock somebody out? No, I've, I've knocked I've knocked fifteen, sixteen people out. So wow, how's it feel? How's it feel to knock someone out? It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Are you sure you've <laughs> delivered the knockout punch, or you do you do you, you you deliver that punch and then you're like, okay, is this it? Is he sure? Are you're pretty confident when it happens, or sometimes not, and sometimes they yeah, just do don't you, get up? Or do you feel it? Yeah. Some 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 guys I pit, and I, I I tell you what, some of the guys that I've knocked out um, or stopped, sometimes it's uh I wasn't trying to knock them out. You just kind of, sometimes you just kind of let it happen, and um, some and some guys I was trying to knock out, I never knocked out because I was trying very hard to knock them out. So my dad always taught me that, like, don't look for the knockout, let the knockout come. That was my next question. Is so you don't, yeah, is it like don't is like telling a baseball player, don't always swing for the fences, just you know, yeah, do your thing, exactly, interesting, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just kind of just let it happen. But when you try, is when it's like, ah, you're not going to get it if you try. And it's like, I just let it flow. Yeah. But you, I mean, you were talking about how, you know, the judges don't always see it the same way. It seems like more often than not that, you know, that the scoring is just so crazy. You know, there's no, there's no yeah. set way. Uh, it's like, man, if you don't get the knockout, it seems like there's always a chance yeah. you lose no matter how good you do. Yeah, and and uh, and unfortunately in boxing it's a lot like that. I mean, I've had some fights that definitely went the opposite way, but that's just the nature to be. Sometimes it's like that, but sometimes you know you have to try to take that incentive to not leave it in the hands of the judges and try to get these guys out of there. As a match goes on, do you ever start thinking this might go to a decision? So maybe I should be doing something different that might appease the judges. Maybe just landing more blows. I mean, I'm not sure how the scoring works. Well, Darren said neither to the judges sometimes, but. Is that a render your mind when you're you just you just keep do you just stick to what your what your skill set is? You know what you stick to what your whatever your trainer's telling you to do during the fight. You know you kind of you try to listen to what your your trainer's telling you to do. But um, I mean sometimes if you just feel like man I'm losing a fight, you know you you'll take chances because it's all about taking chances when you're in the middle of combat. You can take the chance that you don't want to get hit in the process of trying to take the chance. You know. You, gotta, you kind of play with those things while, while you're going in the fight. Like, should I take a chance? Should I not take a chance? You, you kind of go back and forth with yourself. Um, so it, it, it's hard to, like, really tell. I mean, I just always listen to my trainers. Whatever my trainers tell them. If they're telling me I'm losing the fight, I need to do, do A, B, and C, then I'm going to go out there and try to execute what they're telling me to do. If they tell me I need to pick up my punches and my punch count, that's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's personally, that's what I do. I just kind of listen to whatever my corner is telling me at the time. And how much is the corner involved? Because we always see that in fights. And, you know, of course, these old Burgess Meredith there in the Rocky films, you know, he's a wrecking machine. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, how much, how much chatter is going on? And how much is just like, you know, you go in with, you know, again, with the, I guess, your game plan, for lack of a better word. And, and then how much of that is, get, can get adjusted during the fight or like they're spotting something that maybe you're not seeing? Yeah. Well, um, during the course of the fight, I mean, trainers, is, it could be a very hard thing because, you may be doing 10 different things wrong. Your trainer can see you doing about 10 different things wrong, but they have to, they only have a minute to talk to you when you come back to the corner, then you got to go back out there. So they have to maybe bring those 10 things down to about four or three things. They got to tell you the best, the, the most important three or four things they can tell you before you go back out there. So, um, yeah, it's very, it's very hard. It's, it's very, uh, it's, it's a strategy. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a strategy that they have to 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 be able to, to tell you what you're doing wrong defensively, offensively, what you need to do, and they gotta they gotta be able to tell you just all within that minute. 
So it's not like in the movies where, where they're they're shouting from the corner and you can hear them. You can't hear anything once you're back in the ring. Uh, but, you know, I tell you what, it, it could be probably a million people yelling and screaming. But out of everybody, I can hear my, I can hear my dad talking out of everybody. I mean, you can hear your coach because if that's someone that you're in the gym with constantly every day, you know, work and stuff every day. You're going to hear that person out of everybody. No matter, no matter how many people are yelling and screaming at you, you'll hear that person. And speaking of, do you have a favorite boxing movie? Uh, of course. I mean, I'm 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 big on the Rocky movies. Rocky's like my favorite. Even though a lot of people are like, was Rocky real? I was like, no, nah, Rocky was a made up story. But the Rocky movies are awesome. It was a movie. Uh, was it Southpaw? Was uh, I like Southpaw? Southpaw was good. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it one? Cinderella Man? Yes. The Southpaw, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, I didn't see that one. Surprised that uh, Raging Bull isn't on the list. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That is. And uh, what was the one? It was a one out that came out. I think that was what, uh, what was the one? Was it with Mickey Ward? Mickey Ward? Oh, Stone? yeah, yeah. And, um. Oh, the the gal from my my cousin Vinny. She's the aunt in Spider Man. Um, the wrestler. Yeah, or uh, Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, Million Dollar Baby was good. I like that movie too. And are all those like you know you, you said your dad consulted on Rocky, but I mean the accuracy level pretty good because I know sometimes that's a big complaint with with anything, not just sports movies, but any anyone's discipline. They always look at it and go, ah, that's not really how things work in the stock market or whatever the movie happens to be about. So as far as with the training and stuff in Rocky? Far, yeah, anything. The, the, the matches, the training, you know, the, the overall aspect of it, are they pretty good? Because I'm sure they hire, the other movies hired consultants too to make sure everything was as realistic as possible. But then again, you're also making a movie, so there's probably some things you have to fictionalize no matter what. I mean, they have boxers that are telling these guys the newer movies that they made. Uh, what was it? Creed. The Creed that was actually in the movies. Like, I think it was Andre uh, they had some of those guys in there probably giving their input to the actors on training and stuff like that. There is a truth to the training that they're showing. Do you ever see yourself being able to do, do falling into that line of work, being a consultant for films and things like that? Uh, I would love to. Um, I would definitely love to get into that. Um, if that if that opportunity presented itself to me, um, we've had a couple of people offer for a, uh, for movies about my father or not, and I would definitely love to be if the right situation came about. I would love to definitely do that for my father if it was just if, if it was anything to help him with his put his story out there or not. As far as myself personally being in something with movies and stuff like that, of course I would love to try that. So you've been up to, I mean, I mean, your normal schedule would be you've been um, working out at some gyms and teaching some lessons and teaching some classes? Yes. Um, I do um, I do uh, boxing classes at uh, Vision. It's an MMA gym. It's called Vision over in Oakley. They have a, I do the boxing program over at that gym. And I also do a boxing program in Kentucky. Uh, it is at Northern Kentucky Mixed Martial Arts Academy. And I do the stand-up coaching at that gym. Billy could do that and took a dare. Oh, not that yeah. kind of stand-up. <laughs> so what about the finances as far as like how much is a, a good pair of gloves and what's like a monthly fee at a boxing gym? Is it is it comparable to other sports or a gym membership or – Yes. Uh, the, structure like that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very um, it's, it's very reasonable for uh, for my boxing classes and stuff. Very reasonable at the gyms. I mean, box uh, equipment for boxing is. I mean, you can go on Amazon and probably get a pair of gloves for twenty, thirty bucks or something like that. Just depending on what you're looking for, what brand that you're looking for, because of course you can you can never go wrong with you know whether you got title and um everlast and stuff like that so just depending on what you're looking for um but no the classes are they're, they're very affordable and there are a lot of young people going into boxing i know you know there's been concerns that kids aren't going into baseball as much that soccer is the big sport now and, and there's a lot of talk that parents won't let their kids play football anymore what's how's the state of boxing from the youth perspective yeah you know we get a lot we get a lot of um, a, a lot of kids, a lot of I mean, kids from all over that want to learn boxing, and a, a lot of us, you know, we teach a lot of self de- a lot of self defense. But as we, I like to teach boxing. It's not really it's to help you with your confidence in yourself because uh, I don't ever want to promote people to go out, you know, violently attacking someone or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, but um, I like to teach you know teach kids to. The, the discipline that comes with the sport. So if you were, say, in a street fight, uh, would your boxing skills take you to the next level or, or just like some crazy crackhead attaching, attacking you? Is that just something that, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> uh, I'll, I, I like to think my boxing skills that help a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, but if someone's just like coming at you like a madman, is that, does that give you a chance to use anything that you learn? Oh, of course it does. But I can, <laughs> I got some some footwork I can use out there. I got a little bit of everything I can use. <laughs> so, uh, so, so your dad, uh, so he was the Hawk. Where where did you get that nickname from? Is there a story behind that? Uh, so I mean, I've heard a few different stories, but um, one I'll share. Uh, back during when he was amateur. I think get the amateur guy. He had a friend. His name was Ken Hawk, and he lived in um, he lived actually he lived in Wilmington, Ohio. And uh, he's a friend of my dad's. He kind of followed my dad through a lot of his amateur uh, amateur stuff. And he used to tell me all the time that's how he got his name was from him. So uh, he was a real good friend of the family. Uh, he passed away some years ago, but uh, a lot of people just tell me you know he really got that name just from his style of fighting. How he would just kind of swarm down on you. Uh just what is it you know, the way he was attacking people and stuff, you know. Someone just you know, you get nicknames in the gym. People give you all types of crazy nicknames, you know, in the boxing gym. What's your nickname? Hawk Junior? You know what? <laughs> I, I get that a lot. Maybe Hawk, little Hawk. <laughs> I get Hawk Junior a lot. I uh <laughs> Some people they call me the son of the legend. I get announces that a lot when I fight. You can't you can't really give yourself a nickname. It was like someone gives you a nickname. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get I get different stuff all the time when I got there. I'm, most of it is definitely related to my dad. So I might get Hawk Junior or AJ or something or, or son of the legend, different things like that. Son of the legend. That's not bad. Nah, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Right on. So, uh, you on social media or, uh, where can, uh, where can yeah. others, uh, follow along with what's going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Facebook at, uh, 
Pryor Jr. Aaron on Facebook and uh, Aaron Pryor Jr. on Instagram. And people can find out when your next match is via those channels? Yeah, yeah. I always post it up. I try to be as active as I can on social media. So, yeah, my next fights that are coming up, well, hopefully, you know, (laughs) sports are coming back here soon. So, I mean, uh, I I never realized how much sports meant, you know, to the world, man. So I just really, uh, really hope things really kick back into gear here soon. But, um, yeah, as soon as I definitely get something posted as far as that, you know, myself with boxing, of course, my my students and stuff with my boxing classes that I offer. Nice. We'll make sure to give you a follow. Um, Let's see. for all of our podcasts, we uh, at the very end we like to uh, allow our guests to uh, give us a word or a phrase that can be used uh, uh, as a promo code on our website. Go to cincyshirts.com and save twenty percent on your order. Uh, yeah, so people can check out the new uh, Aaron Pryor T-shirts we got. Um, we did three pretty sweet designs. They're all very different. We got. You know, like a video game inspired one, and we got an old like fight poster, um, then a retro looking one. Um, so definitely get on there and check those out. So yeah, so Aaron, I'll give you give you the honor of giving this week's promo code. Hawk time. Hawk time. Yeah. I knew it. I saw it coming. Same. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So enter in Hawk time at checkout. Uh, that's this week's code, everybody, and. Uh, Cool. Well, uh, Aaron, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I think we learned a lot about boxing. I'm going to have to uh, be a heavyweight right off the bat, so I'm not sure my career has uh, very much going for it, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, thanks, All right. Aaron. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Right, thanks. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance. For a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Aaron Pryor Jr. I found that clip on YouTube of the Hawk interrupting a Sugar Ray Leonard press conference at Caesar's Palace. Uh, in the middle, you're going to hear some commentary from Buddy LaRosa, and well, here it is. I had just been um, asked that you want to challenge me, and that you knock me down, and I knock you down. And- me and Leonard, you know, I worked with him for Vlad three or four before he became Mr. Leonard. <laughs> and there was a little rivalry there always was but i know one thing whenever they'd be in the ring working out aaron used to give him a working over i just beat the number one contender in my weight division i ain't got nothing to prove there this so why show. not come up this is my show pal go ahead <laughs> any other questions please <laughs> i want to fight i want to fight i beat some Aaron. pretty neat eh i thought he was kind of making that up or maybe embellishing something but uh the hawk properly calls out sugar race Hunter and sugar races look this is my press conference beat it and uh the hawk's like hey i, I just want a box man all right so there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like to have us uh invite back to the podcast drop us an email podcast at cincyshirts.com put podcast guest in the subject line and then we've had a bunch of return guests john keyswater the haunted cincinnati guy ronnie salerno talking about abandoned stuff in cincinnati so uh yeah uh, do that, and either way, if it's uh, someone you want back or uh, a new guest you want us to have on, uh, just put, you know, like I said, podcast guest in the subject line, and then maybe a brief two 
three sentence bio uh, outlining why you think that person would be a good guest for the show. Now be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And if you haven't already, go back and plunder those Cincy Shirts podcast archives. We've got uh, baseball great Johnny Bench all the way to Amy Yazbek. That's almost like the entire alphabet. Johnny Bench, B, Amy Yazbek, Y. Uh, tons of great episodes. Uh, Josh and I are just, just uh, discussing this today. Um, it seems that, you know, some people always just kind of hold on for the big guests like a Johnny Bench or a Pat Berry. But it, really, everybody's got a great story. Trust me. You're going to love them all. So anyway... Uh, Today's show is produced by me, with help from Josh and Darren and Billy this time out. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find their music at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find Vintage Tees from great places like Philadelphia, Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of defunct sports teams, uh, lots of shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations. It's like Cincy Shirts, of course, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is HawkTime. All lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate if you like, if you want to be cute. Uh, there's no dash in there, just HawkTime, all one word. And you can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com. A little hack here. You can use it once, at, uh, once each at each site. That makes sense. Uh, you can also use the code uh, in our physical or brick and mortar stores, as we say. And uh, other than that, I would just say follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye.